This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together. And as our campus is joined with us over, our campus over in Stevens Point joins us, our Appleton campus still is not allowed to meet because we were using a school. Those are all shut down. We are working on a solution to that, i.e. finding someplace else. Praise the Lord. But uh, let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. And all of those of you at home can join along with us. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you all with us this morning. <clears throat> we'll take this time to do our morning offering, which we're doing a little differently because of <clears throat> not handing buckets out and stuff like that. Uh, those of you who are here, can give, there's uh, little slips in the back of your chairs and stuff like that if you want to give a check or something like that. Or those of you at home want to mail in your checks, a lot of people have been doing that. Or give online, which we're encouraging more and more people to do. Uh, you can do that, uh, those of you watching online, uh, going to uh, celebrationchurch.tv and click the church at home button and then you'll see a place to give. Or you can text Use your phone. So if you want to give this one with your phone, just take your phone and text. Send a message to this number, 77977. That's the number you're going to send the message to, 77977. And in the message part, you're going to put in uh, CCW, which that, CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church, Wisconsin. And then so CCWI, and then the amount that you want to give, 500,000, 600,000, anything in there <laughs> that you <laughs> Of course, you have to back it up with what you got in your checking account, so that may not fly. But uh, whatever you're going to give, do that. So, you know, take a moment, go ahead and play with your phones or whatever. And, uh, and those of you at home, uh, and those of you who watch uh, all over the country, still the majority of our people are uh, meeting at home, which is fine uh, during this time. People don't still want to gather. Some don't want to gather with uh, meetings like this. Perfectly fine. Continue to worship with us at home. And then we've got people all over the country and the world that consider Celebration Church their home. I run into them all of the time as I travel. This is their church, and they do it online, just like most of us have been doing online during this uh, COVID thing going on. Uh, and, but those of you who do that, 
you need to give too. If you call the Celebration Church your home and you live in Florida, you need to give in the offering. Don't be a slacker, all right? So I don't care where you live. If this is your church, take a moment, give online because we're supposed to give. Give and it will be given to you. Uh, so this whole uh, COVID thing is still in effect, although I have to tell you, there is a wonderful fresh breath of air in the state of Wisconsin. The state of Wisconsin, if you think about this, guys, we're one of the few places in the world right now where there's no laws against anything. You can gather. You can go wherever you want. You want to open a business, you can open a business. You want to go to a restaurant, you want, there are no restrictions at all in the state. Who would have thought we would be the freest people in the world? Hallelujah. If you're, if you're a visitor this morning, say, man, you guys are loud in this church. That's kind of a new development, to be honest with you. <laughs> Most of the time, we sound like a bunch of Lutherans. But lately, after all of this, everybody's so lit up that they can get out of the house and connect with other people. So we're unusually loud. Praise the Lord. And, and I, do, I am loving everything. <laughs> all you at home can go woo-woo too. All right. So, uh, so it's great. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time up north. Uh, and uh, boy, people up there, they're digging it. I mean, just everything's wide open. It's great. Having said that, we still want to encourage, if you're not in your group of people that you normally hang with, don't just run up and hug people and shake their hands and stuff, because you don't know. There is still a bug out there, all right? And uh, I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of confusion about these, and the rules keep changing, and it's all been a little nuts, uh, to be honest with you. But it's still out there. And uh, there, there are those of us who are spending time in helping uh, elderly family members. Deanna and I, uh, her father is uh, 80 years old. He's got uh, health challenges and is going in for surgery next week. Don't touch me, all right? So these are the people. But that's what quarantine. You're supposed to quarantine sick people or people who are vulnerable. You don't quarantine healthy people. Don't write me. I don't want to hear it, all right? So anyway, in Wisconsin, we're actually free, praise God, unless you live in near Madison. <laughs> Wherever there's a politician, something psychotic going on down there. And I guess Milwaukee too. So anyway, um, uh, so um, kind of respect that thing. Uh, if you're sick, don't come to church, obviously. Uh, so just kind of reminding everybody. And we don't have any kids programs right now. You cannot socially distance children. It's like herding cats. Just... <laughs> Trying to get them to sit still is enough of a challenge. So that means your kids can come to church with you here. So, and kids are kids. So if kids get fidgety and a little noisy, don't freak out, okay? It's fine. It doesn't freak me out. Now, having said that, you parents with the little chunky monkeys, listen to me. If they get really loud, get them up, go out in the foyer. You can catch up to us there. Or you have a screaming little banshee, you know. God bless all the banshees, praise the Lord. But if they're screaming, take them out there and let them scream out there. So anyway, but general noise and kids doing whatever is fine. Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> this morning, uh, 
on the church calendar is called Pentecost Sunday. I want to talk to you about the new normal. Like last, last, last week we talked about what, the beginning of a new normal. Jesus was raised into heaven, told his disciples, just wait, 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 wait for the Holy Spirit to come because something is going to change. So they went and they waited, and today we read what happens next as we talk about, from a Christian standpoint, what is the new normal. A lot of people are talking about the new normal. This is the new normal as far as the world is concerned, the church is concerned, as God is concerned, working in the world. Let's take a look at it. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Remember, Jesus said, uh, just wait. And they all huddle up in an upper room. Uh, and they've been doing this the whole time. They they've, were a little freaked out. Jesus was arrested. They were convinced they were going to come after them next. Uh, and they're kind of hiding, and they're very timid, uh, and they're all had, hiding, hanging out in this one place. So they're all there praying. And then suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them of fire. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. They were gathered for Pentecost and uh, uh, Passover and stuff had been uh, not too off, far off. Uh, and at this, this, at this sound, a crowd gathered and was bewildered. Because each one of them, again, there's people from all over the world at this point, but they're very devout Jews. You have to keep that underlined in your head. They were devout Jews, very religious people. And each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus and uh, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, it's just outside, Crivets, uh, and then <laughs> Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and why they're going to tell us all these things, I don't know. Okay, anyway, we hear them in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, what in the world is going on, saying to one, what does this mean? But then others sneered and said, these guys are filled with new wine. In other words, they're hammered. They're drunk. And that's why all this racket is going on. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Now this, and in and of itself, is dramatic. This is Peter, who not very long ago, when they said, aren't you with Jesus? No, I had nothing to do with him. I mean, he, he was full of fear. They were all cowering. What just happened? Something happened, something just, this boldness and this energy builds up in him and he stands up and starts preaching to everybody. This is already a dramatic change from the Peter that we have known over these last few months. And he gets up and he says, men of Judea, all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known unto you and listen to what I say. He's calling attention to himself. Hey, listen to me. <laughs> Who's this guy? He says, indeed, these people are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. Clearly, Peter had never been to Wisconsin. <laughs> They're not drunk, he says. 
No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Now, these are very devout men and women. These guys know the scriptures. And there was an interesting scripture in the Old Testament written by a prophet by the name of Joel. And he talks about something that is to come, something that is bizarre and odd for them. They don't even know what Joel's talking about. And, and uh, Peter gets up and says, you know that portion of the scripture you guys don't know what, the, what Joel was talking about? This is it. And then he starts to quote what Joel said. Now, it sounds like he, because he reads it almost verbatim, my guess is he's not reading it verbatim. How does he know this? He had it memorized. They were very devout Jews, like, you know, more devout than most Christians. And these guys really memorize scriptures and stuff. So he, goes, he just starts quoting the scripture, and you can look at it, and it's verbatim of what Joel said. Here's the prophecy that Joel talked about. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, this is radical. You have to understand, up to this point, the Spirit of God for thousands of years would uniquely fall on one individual time or a small group of people at a time where they would experience dramatic supernatural things. But, you know, be it Samson or, you know, Moses or whoever these different, these all were unique instances. These prophets, all these things, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You were a unique person. This, this was, you, you were in a whole different category of people that could ever hope to experience anything like this. It was very, and even then it was rare. But then he says, there's a day coming where I will pour out my spirit on everybody. What? How is that even possible? He says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. What? Women? <laughs> Women were cat, uh, counted along with the sheep and cattle. They were. It was the culture of the day. People say, you know, everyone's well, you'll hear some modern person say, you know, Christianity is so repressive to women. Nonsense. They don't understand some of these verses. But if there's any religion that ever set people free, including women, it was Christianity. This is the first group of people that came along and said, hey, they're all the same. No difference between men and women. That was radical in that day. About the only place in the world you could go where it would almost be as radical is deep in the Middle East where there's, you know, they're really strict and women aren't allowed to you know, drive cars or be educated. And when they walk, they have to walk behind their husbands. And, you know, you go over there and say, hey, everybody's the same. <laughs> You're going to get some intense blowback from that. The whole world was like that at one time. And he said, there's this prophecy that God would pour out his spirit on not just sons, but also on the daughters. And they shall prophesy. And I'm going to explain what that means in a little bit. Your, your young men will see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, slaves. So talk about second-class citizens. These are literally second and third-class citizens. Slaves had no right. They were owned by others. They didn't get to do what they wanted to do. They lived only to do what they were told to do. No one thought very highly of a slave. Even on my slaves, the lowest of the lowest in your culture, in this world, both men and women. It's one thing to be a man slave. It's another to be a female slave. They're even at a lower level. Even on them, on those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And they had to read this going, what? This doesn't even make any sense. How can this even be? He says that I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. This is all quoting from Joel the sun will be turned into darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great 
Lord's great and glorious day, speaking of the end times. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter gets up and he talks about this thing that you have been reading. We've all been reading since we were little kids, talking about this. Saying, this is here right now. And they're all stunned listening to this. Because they're hearing that there is a new day, a new normal, where God doesn't just live way off in space somewhere. Where it's not just holy men here and there who get to experience God, but that everybody, anybody can experience the same power, the same glory, the same infilling of the Holy Spirit as all of these people did at one time. This is a new normal. This is a radical change. Yeah, there you go. Said the newly loud Wisconsin people. All right. (laughs) So now... Uh, I want to take you back to the Old Testament. Uh, and this is the book of Numbers. This is when the children of Israel, Moses comes, let my people go. And they come out and they're stuck out in the wilderness because they were idiots. I don't have time to get into it. Read, read your Bible. But uh, they're out in the wilderness. They were just real stubborn. And uh, there was this time where a group of people gathered of the leaders, you know, again, this would only happen in unique circumstances to special people. And it talks about, is there a, uh, I'm sorry, I have the attention span of a fly. Do you have a gate on this thing? You, you didn't? You did? You did? Turn it off. Give our sound man a hand. Yeah. Once again, I know what it is. I could hear it. It's driving me crazy. All right, so. <laughs> Ungated, I will continue. Now, um, these, these guys, only special things. So this one event, there were a whole bunch of them that gathered, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit came on all of them, and they all prophesied. And again, I'll explain what that means in a second. But, uh, but then at verse 26 of chapter 11, verse 26 in the book of Numbers, two of them remained in the camp. One was named Eldad, and the other, me dad. (laughs) Hey, dad, what's happening? All right. And the spirit rested on them. They were among those that were uh, this group, this registered group, these leaders. But they did not go out. When when there was them all left, they stayed behind. Probably because they were digging the sensation of being in the presence of God and prophesying, which I will explain again in a minute. So they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Moses, Eldad and me, Dad, the dad brothers, they're out there. And they're still prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, he was Moses' right-hand man. This is the guy who takes over after Moses dies and leads the people into the promised land. Uh, Joshua, son of Nun, not son of a nun, because they don't have sons. All right, but anyway... Son of Nun, whatever that guy was. Uh, and he was the assistant of Moses. So Joshua pops up, and one of his chosen men said, my, of one of Moses' chosen men said, My Lord Moses, stop them! Eel, Eldad, and Medad are still in there prophesying. Make them stop! But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? See, they, 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 they were used to the Spirit of God falling on Moses. And then uh, these two guys, are, they're still under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're prophesying, and, and make them stop. Moses, what are you doing? You're jealous for my sake? He said, I would that all the Lord's people were prophets, 
and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. This is something most, man, I wish everybody could get in on this. This is years later where Joel prophesied that someday that would happen. And now on this day, this is now happening. The Spirit of God comes and something changes. Now we don't just talk about the divine, we experience the divine. We don't just talk about the supernatural, we can experience the supernatural. God showing up and doing real and powerful things. So now in, in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul's writing to them and about all kinds of stuff. And he gets to this part in chapter 12 of his letter. And he starts talking about some of these gifts of the Holy Spirit that were, were being experienced in the church. He says, now, this is chapter 12, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians. He says, now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul was really going out of his way to realize, listen, it's okay if everybody's not the same. Everybody doesn't have the same giftings. Everybody doesn't have the same perspective. He says, you know, we are bricks in the building of God. We're all each, and we all have our place. He, he used the analogy of the body. The finger doesn't look anything like the kneecap. Doesn't do anything like a kneecap. Uh, but yet they're all part of the same. He says, you can't say, the finger can't say, well, I'm not a kneecap, you know. Get, get rid of that kneecap. He's not part of this. No, but he looks so much different. Yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. Churches are supposed to be filled with people that are very different from one another. And that's just the reality of it. Um, in the church, people have different perspectives. I've said many times, so many churches in America, usually they're small churches. 80% of 400,000 churches in America have 100 people in them or less. Wow, that's a big number. Yeah, why is that? Because that's about as many people as you can get together in a room that still can agree. And I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly what it is. And it's a shame, I think. It's not to the glory of God. This is a shame of the arrogance sometimes that Christians get themselves filled with. You, know, you can't tell me what to do. I'll start my own church. They split and get all kinds of versions of crazy going on. Uh, I say, look, I think the great thing is like in a church like here where there's all kinds of different people. Some of you are very straight-laced people. Some of you... I've had a rough background. So <laughs> if you knew the person sitting next to you, you'd put an extra couple of seats, you know, once you, if you knew really where they were coming. Some of you, you know, have tattoos all over the place. Some of you, your skin's too beautiful to be tattooed. <laughs> all right. And, and all kinds, of, politically, there's different opinions, you know. Uh, well, Mark, you have your opinion. Yeah, but it's just my opinion. I always tell you it's just my opinion, just what I think. It doesn't matter. Not in the church. There's people here that are way off to the right and people here way off to the left. And you know what? We all get together and we love each other. Amen. Right? Amen. I have a wonderful mother-in-law. She's way off to the left. I'm way off to the right. We love each other. We tease and hassle each other from time to time, but we still love each other. You don't have to hate people. You think about someone who just doesn't agree with you? So what? Your own wife doesn't agree with you. What world do you live in? For, you know, everybody freaks out when people don't agree with stuff. So what? 
So now, uh, I'm going to take a break. We're going to jump over to Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 3. And Paul's talking about the same kind of thing. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Don't be arrogant. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measures of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and not all the members have the same function like the, what I was just describing. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. And then he starts talking about gifts. And look at this list of gifts that he talks about. He says, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. If you have the gift of prophecy, prophesy in proportion to your faith. Now, what is prophecy? Prophecy is, is not just foretelling the future. In the English language, that's generally what if you say someone prophesies. But in the Bible, people who would speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, who would speak like divine utterance, uh, were considered to prophesy. They would just, sometimes they would prophesy just sing, saying wonderful things about God. Uh, as, as these guys uh, were talking, uh, what did he say? Uh, back in Peter's deal. Um, they're talking about God's deeds of power. That was their version of prophecy. They're talking about how powerful God is. Sometimes they would just bless the people and the prophets would just bless and speak, or curse some other people. They were prophesying that way. So it's a divine utterance. These are people who are speaking under the uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit. So do that. If you have uh, a gift of ministry in ministering, uh, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhorting, that means to build people up, encourage people. If you're a giver uh, in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. So he goes through a bunch of lists that he says are also gifts. It's interesting he doesn't use the word spiritual gift which he uses in 1 Corinthians, which we're going to go back and look at those. Uh, and maybe there's a difference there. I, I don't know. Um, but they're still considered gifts. The difference is with the list that Paul gives in 1 Corinthians, where he calls them spiritual gifts, they are miraculous in nature, by nature. And we're going to read them in just a second and explain them a little bit. But oftentimes when we talk, and we, I mean, churches in general talk, about spiritual gifts, everybody loves to go to this section. They have to go to this section. And we have, uh, you know, there's even assessments that can take. Do we still have assessments like that? Does, does this kind of stuff? Yeah, all right. People like to take assessments like this to find out your spiritual gift. I always kind of go, yeah, I guess. Here's the problem, and I, I don't, mean to use the word the problem when talking about what Paul's writing here, but the problem or challenge here is this list that we just read, anybody can do this. You don't even have to be a Christian to do this. In terms of speaking, anybody can speak. Uh, in terms of ministering, anybody can minister. Anybody can teach. Anybody can exhort. Anybody can be a giver. Anybody can lead. Anybody can be compassionate. These are all things that, to a great deal, come natural to people. Now, I guess one could argue that these are gifts that come from God. Okay, and it's interesting, again, he doesn't use the word spiritual gift. What 
I kind of pull back a little bit on this is this idea of, well, these are your spiritual giftings. Okay, I'm, I'm open to that. It's not a big deal to me. All I'm saying is we're emphasizing areas that anybody can do this. Now, if you're doing it under the power of the Holy Spirit, maybe it's more dramatic, I would think it would be. But now let's go back to where he says spiritual gifts. And he starts describing the spiritual gifts. This is in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, now at verse 8. And he describes some of these gifts. To one given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. These are people who by supernatural power know what to do. Wisdom is about knowing the difference between the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. Um, Surely all of us here at some time, everybody listening to me right now, have been encountered in areas of life where you weren't quite sure what to do. Anybody out there like that? You know, and you're just, what, man, I'm not sure what I should do. I should. And the Bible says, well, ask God for wisdom. This is to know what to do and that kind of, But oftentimes we go to people and, um, and ask for wisdom. When someone has a gift and the Spirit of God shows up in the gift of wisdom, it's like supernaturally they can give you an answer that you will go, oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's brilliant. Wow, how'd you know that? And you go, well, I don't know, you know. But it was God using you to speak into someone's life. Wisdom. We don't have much of this today. In fact, you know what we have a lot of today? Is, is if you ask someone for advice, they just say, well, just pray about it. Just do what God tells you to do. Listen, if you're in a place of crisis in your life and you really don't know what to do, and you talk to someone and they tell you just to pray about it, get away from them, all right? And go find someone who has a clue and who understands the scriptures, or hopefully look for someone that you can feel God uses to speak to you because they have a gift of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge by the same spirit. So there's a gift of knowledge. These are people who know stuff about you that how could they possibly know this about you? That's pretty cool. All right? That's very powerful. This is done miraculously. To another, the gift of faith by the same spirit. Now, that's very broad, but the thing with faith is nothing's impossible to them who believe. What's our greatest challenge in life? Having enough faith. The truth is, if you had enough faith, you could do whatever. Well, most of us don't have that kind of, it's just, it is what it is. But sometimes God supernaturally will just bless, show up, and boom, give you a level of faith that you can't, you've never even experienced before. And wow, things change. To another, gifts of healing. What is that? That's someone who can lay hands on you, and you are healed. The sickness goes and, man, we could sure use some of that, you know, for all. Wouldn't it be great if someone did have COVID and they could go to church and someone would break the law and lay hands on them, <laughs> that they would be healed? <laughs> don't write me. I don't, I, I don't want to hear it, okay? To another working of miracles. Wow, to another prophecy. Again, this is divine utterance. Um, to another discerning of spirits. These are people who can just sense, whoa, 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 there's something not right about this. Well, it sounds really good. No, 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 something's not right. And, and, and by, the, by the, because even the Bible says that Satan himself can show up like an angel of light. The thing about false doctrines and false things is they cover themselves with truth. They say all the right things. That I've known cults, and this is what they say to be part of that cult. You have to believe in Jesus. You have to be born again. You need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Uh, where's the problem? Was when they started adding all the other poison to it. I want to get, get into what they are. But uh, all kinds of, but the people who have the, the gifting, of the certain of the spirit, all of a sudden, whoa, 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 something's not right about this. But they're saying the right things. Yeah, I'm telling you, something's not quite right. Uh, you know, we all have very, you know, this shows up. I don't think this is the kind of thing you can program. I think this is just something that God just does by this. That's the beauty of gathering together with other Christians and, com- and connecting with people. Where gifts of the spirit, God shows up and does things supernaturally. And then talking about speaking in tongues and others who can interpret the speaking. Someone's able to speak in tongues, someone else just understood what they said. And they never spoke that language in their life. That's impressive, all right? Now, all of this is God showing up and doing supernatural things. Um, even with the prophecy thing. Um, in a real sense, most men and women, when they are doing what I'm doing right now, are hopefully under some degree anointing of a prophetic word. In other words, what they're saying, God is speaking through them. And the, most of the time, we're not even aware of it. You're aware of it because all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, how did he know that? I, I don't know how many people I've heard come up to me and say, man, you, you got a microphone in our house? Because we were just talking about that. How, how did you know we were? I didn't know. I don't, I don't even know what's going on in my own house for having sex. All right? What is, that's God showing up. Or saying something to somebody, go, oh my gosh, how did you know that? How did you know that? Anybody ever experienced that sitting in church? Hopefully from time to time, God does something. That is a prophetic spirit, not just for me and others. Hopefully we're moving in line with God and the Holy Spirit is doing some things um, supernaturally. So, uh, Today we are celebrating this idea that God can do things supernaturally. I'm not dissing the other gifts. Paul called them gifts. Whether or not there's a difference between that and what we're talking about here. Clearly in this list, these are supernatural gifts. I think we should take them all, all of the above. But let's not be content with the first list because that's the easy list. Does that make any sense to you? You know, the reality is, do we see a lot of what I just read? No, we don't. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if we're going to experience more of God at some point, you just got to be honest. Are we seeing miraculous demonstrations of the Holy Spirit? Not nearly as much as we should. Uh, And we desire that. Now, when we were first planning for this weekend, uh, Bishop Ed, myself, we were planning to have some special nights, a series of nights uh, over the next few nights where we were going to gather and we're going to lay hands on people and pray for the Holy Spirit to come and empower us. Just kind of Holy Spirit celebration of this week of Pentecost. Obviously, right now, it can't touch anybody. All right, so, but once this gets over, I do want to come back and revisit this. I want us to experience more of God, more of the Spirit of God in our lives. Now, as, as you've heard, and I'm going to go a little bit longer this morning, but where are you going to go? Um, um, you know, I've talked about how at Celebration Church, we're one of these churches that brings in, you know, and mixes the three streams of Christianity, uh, the liturgical stream, the uh, evangelical stream, which is the emphasis on um, scriptures and stuff, and, and also the charismatic stream. Uh, the problem is I don't think we've been very strong in the latter, now, there's reasons for it. All three have wonderful elements. All three also have negative elements. I mean, uh, the liturgical, the problem with the liturgical thing is people think, you know, it becomes very robotic. 
la 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 and they think just because I did all the sacraments I'm okay. No, no. You got to have faith. You got to connect with God. That's a major mistake. A lot of people and a lot of us were raised in liturgical churches. You know what I'm talking about. You didn't know Jesus anymore than the man in the moon, but you went and did all the la 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 la. So you got to be careful that we don't slip into that. Evangelicals are great with the scriptures, emphasizing the scriptures, that's powerful, but the negative side is a lot of times they become legalists and they use the Bible to beat the crap out of people. Sorry, I said crap. Uh, and then you got the charismatic. Now, all kinds of crazy has been done in the name of charismatic and Holy Spirit, Pentecost, whatever word you want to use. And I know because I was raised in this uh, when I first became a Christian. And uh, you know, I was listening, I was talking to a pastor earlier this week, and uh, he says, you know, um, they talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, being represented by a dove. He says, when I was in theology school, I had a theologian, theological teacher who said, you know, a better, and by the way, theologians, <laughs> I mean, they're great, they're highly intelligent, but they spend so much time a- answering questions that nobody's asking, you know. <laughs> Now, they get mad when I tell them this, all right? And these students get mad when I, this guy, oh, no, 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 people, I says, no, 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 the only people asking are people like you, you know? Nobody walks around asking these goofy questions, you know? Of all the things, they emphasize things. I'm just trying to get people to get along with each other, for heaven's sakes. You know, what, what, you know, what does this look like? What are, so anyway, he says, I think a better analogy of the Holy Spirit is a goose, because... And, and, and he started explaining, and it was kind of neat, because a goose, have you seen these geese running around with all their little ones? They're very protective. And they'll come, hong, hong, they'll come after you and stuff like that. And, and, and they, they fight for that which is theirs and stuff. And so he says, I think maybe the Holy Spirit is more of a goose. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I said, look, whether it's a dove or a goose, I don't care. I just don't want Daffy Duck. All right. <laughs> Because a lot of what's been done in the name of charismatic experience has been Daffy Duck and some crazy stuff. People doing all kinds of weird, bizarre, nutsoid stuff uh, that has just gotten out of control. Now, historically, it's gotten very bad to the point that people have pulled away from it and people don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, The problem is just because there's some counterfeit stuff out there doesn't mean you shouldn't have the real thing. There are counterfeit $100 bills out there. I still hang on to my $100 bills. Now, if any of you are uncomfortable with your $100 bills, I'll take them for you. And, uh, because I'm very comfortable with them. Uh, so even though this counterfeit doesn't mean you should ignore the real. And I think we have done that to a great degree because so much extreme stuff has been done. And a lot of it's just, you know, it can be debated whether or not it's legit. Uh, but a lot of it's just, there's no scriptural basis for it. Probably the most common thing that charismatic type of people do is if they're in the spirit, you know, people fall on the floor. They call it slain in the spirit. Some of you have had that experience. I won't mess with your experience. I'm just saying you don't find it in the Bible. No place in the Bible. So, well, that's not true. When they came to arrest Jesus and Jesus said, I am he, they all fell back. Well, I suppose if you're full of the devil and you're trying to arrest the son of God, maybe then, you know, that would be appropriate. So, well, well, John was on the Isle of Patmos, and when he saw a vision of Jesus, he fell to the ground. Yeah, he said, as dead. It scared him to death. My wife. Every time I walk into a room, she goes, ah, you scared me. 
I live here. You know, what what part of, ah, where does that come from? Now, if you are on a small deserted island and you've been banished there till the day you die and there's nobody there and you turn around and you see the son of God glowing like a light bulb, yeah, I think I would fall to the ground too. First of all, he's never seen a light bulb. All right, and he was, fr- so there's, beyond that, you don't see any of that. There's no place in the book of Acts where they're going around, everybody's falling on the floor. When Jesus walked around, everybody's falling all over the place. What is that? It's just something that people have gotten into. And you know what? It's also something, if it is legit, I guarantee you, it's an easy thing to fake. Interesting, when we get to a lot of these things, we always take the easiest path, right? We hang on, you know, we talk about the gifts that anybody could have, even if you're not saved. Even if someone's not saved, they fall on the floor. You know, I, I don't want that. So I want the real stuff. I want the real power of God. I don't know about you, but my life is jacked up, and I need Jesus, and I want God to show up and do things. <laughs> this is where I announce our meetings, but we can't have them. So anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that. But uh, Paul said this. He says, desire spiritual gifts. Part of it starts with just this God use us. And here's the other part, problem with it. A lot of people who have these divine gifts, they capitalize off of it, right? If you have a divine gift of healing, you lay hands on people and they can get healed. Well, what do we do today? We put you on TV and we get you know, people to give millions of dollars to you so you can live in big fancy houses and, and, and fancy jet planes and stuff. Seriously? Wouldn't it be great if somebody had the gift of healing and nobody knew who they were? That's the way it should be. Someone who has some of these advice, and you're not making money off it. Or you're not, it doesn't feed your ego. Well, I have a this and I have a that. You know. I don't care what you have. Shut, sit down, shut up. All right? It shouldn't be about our own personal egos and stuff like that. And so much of this has been uh, co-opted by people who have been corrupted and that's why so many people just pull away from it. Look, again, it might be counterfeit. There might be all kinds of crazy. I want the real deal. And I want the kind of deal that you can't fake. I want God to show up in ways that when, at the end of the day, you go, that's God. And by the way, the way Christianity took off like crazy was because of stuff like this. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll see an ad on Facebook or something like, you know, how to use the right arguments to convince people about Jesus. And I think, okay, I, I guess that's great. But you got to understand, early Christianity, it was never about that. They didn't have big arguments. Paul even wrote himself, says, did I come to you with clever arguments? No. I just walked in and said, and he prayed and stuff would happen. And sick people would be healed. And God would show up. When Christianity was spreading all over, the thing that made Christianity so different is when you got around these people, God showed up. There was something supernatural about them. They would know things about you that no one could possibly know. They had insights. They had power. They would pray. We need more of that today. We need less of trying to be clever in our thinking on how to convince people more about how about God Almighty shows up. Would you like to deal with this? And, and that's what changed people's lives. And people saw this and went, I want in on this. Thank you for that. Yes. All right. All right, wrap this up. <laughs> uh, we're going to do our time of communion uh, now. So we're going to get ready to do this. Um, this is, every time we do this, um, 
we always pause for a minute because Paul said, before you do this, examine yourself. It's always, weekly we do this. It's a time to just check ourselves, you know, do a self-examination. Where am I at? How have you been doing this week? Have you said things you shouldn't have said? Have you done things you shouldn't have done? Did you avoid things that you should have done? Most of us here, including myself, we have to say yes. What do you do? Well, the Bible says if we sin, we can ask God. He'll forgive us our sins, set things right for us. So we're going to pray a prayer together as we uh, get ready to take communion. Just self-examination. Let's all bow our heads. Let me pray this prayer over all of you. Uh, Even those of you at home or watching online around the world. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup of this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, Father, in thought, word, or deed, what we've done, what we've left undone, if we haven't loved you with our whole hearts, if we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves, maybe we should, haven't been as patient as we should, maybe we snapped at people we shouldn't have snapped at. Anyway, we ask you, Father, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who sacrificed himself for our sins, have mercy on us and forgive us of our sins. Make things right in us, I pray. Give us the strength to move forward and, and to be better and more successful in following after you. Help us to delight in your will and to walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And as our heads are still bowed, uh, if you're new to all of this, uh, maybe you're visiting here at the church this morning, maybe you're watching online, whatever. Uh, maybe you just stumbled across this on the internet and you're listening and say, man, I want this. I, I want to know God. I don't want to just be a robot and, and just go through rules and regulations. I, I want to really know Jesus in his power and his glory. Well, right now, just ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. In your own words, say just, you know, come into my life, Jesus. Forgive me. Bring your Holy Spirit into my life that I can start experiencing more of your glory.